Hello and welcome to the Performance Podcast for Monday the 18th of September and joining me on this edition, News Editor Mark Hodgkinson. So we're going to stand around here all day or are we going to fight? Audio reviewer Ed Selly. Mr Pickle here reminds me of that every time I take a shit. Assistant Editor Steve Withers. Honestly, this whiskey, you will shit. And special guest, Mark Burry. Your father had the same look on his face. Uh, Newsflash, newsflash, drinking craft beer gives you man boobs. Over to our correspondent who knows about this, Ed. Yeah, another news bear shits in woods. Um, <laughs> no, this, is, this has been this has been around for some time. Beer specifically, um, it, it for whatever reason it it does it does tend tend towards the uh, meat meatloaf in Fight Club style pendulous man boobs. <laughs> um, and you know, regrettably, I can testify to this. Not only obviously. Did I, do I did I have a, a fine pair of them? But in the ensuing six and a bit weeks where I haven't really been drinking, um, yeah, I'm substantial. You know, I've, I've dropped a couple of bra sizes. <laughs> so um, uh, yeah. you never know, Ed. You might be in a sports bra by, by CES then. I do you know what? I think I'm perky enough to go without these days. <laughs> but um, this is horrifying yeah. imagery. <laughs> <laughs> You signed up for it. No, um, it, uh, regrettably, it's true. But all fun things are bad for you. We we, we know this. No, so, that's very true. Outside of drinkers are laughing at you. Well, other than what the brain damage and yeah. the, and and the, and the damage to your optic nerve. That's the other one. It, it's more. The, isn't it apple? Apple-based alcohols cause more damage to your optic nerves. Is that, another is that a new line from the company? Yeah, it's a new line. Based alcohol. Yeah, it's thousand, <laughs> thousand pounds a pint. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to show it its face before it'll pour. <laughs> but um, no, all, all out. It's all bad for you. But you can't live forever. And if you do try and sit there as a you know a vegan PE teacher, um, I'm, <laughs> you know that's fine. You go for it. But that doesn't strike me as you know you will have prolonged your life. But the likelihood <laughs> is you will die from boredom. Yeah, a vegan PE teacher that drives an electric car. Excellent. It's, it's not like we're stereotyping it all here on there. Well, if you are a vegan. PE teacher that drives an electric car. Do feel free to get in touch. <laughs> Just tell us how wrong we are. Yeah, and um, we'll get we'll give you a prize. Yeah, <laughs> a gift a gift tank of super and twenty four cans yeah. of Foster's. Yeah. G- gift voucher for five guys. There you go. Uh, let's do some competitions then, Mister Botwright. What can we win? Oh, hold on. Just need to get my glasses on. <laughs> Uh, current competitions, you can win a pair of NAD Viso HB30 headphones, courtesy of Seven Oaks Sound and Vision, and that one closes on the 20th of September. Lovely so pair of nuts. So we need to get a shift on by the time that this Two podcast days. goes out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you want those, you better be quick. Previous competition winners, Mark. Uh, T. Murphy won The Hunter's Prayer on DVD. Benzel won The Flash Season 3 on DVD. Darklock won Their Finest on Blu-ray. Stecker won Batman and Hartley Quinn on Blu-ray, and Adam David won Supergirl Season 2 on DVD. Wow, lots of winners there. Congratulations, everybody. Well done. And like we say, you got two days to get in and get those headphones won. Right, moving on, hardware news. Uh, there was a small press uh, event over in California uh, where Apple have announced their new iPhones and the 4K Apple TV. So we're going to split this up. We'll do the iPhones first. Um, Ed, £1,000, minimum £1,000, for a decent-sized iPhone X. Um it's getting a bit silly now. Yeah, just do one. Um, a friend of mine on the actual evening of the press conference, he stuck on Facebook, Apple announced a slightly better phone that will cost more than the last one. Yep. Hashtag magical. <laughs> um, it's, so look, they're going to sell a, a, a busload. It doesn't matter what any of us say or anything. They're going to sell a, a busload of them. People who were in the order queue last year spending the thick end of £1,000 on whatever the highest spec one, you know, I, I'm assuming that the, the one that they bought last year still functions correctly, but nope, it's off to off to buy another one. I, yeah. you know, it's not something I am a part of anymore. Um, I just, I'm, I'm just baffled by it. Well, I, mean, I, I think, I think they're playing the psychological thing that is that um, let's release three phones because people won't buy the bottom tier one because they'll know there's a better one there. So they're going to spend more money. And well, that seems to be that seems to be the way that people do do these things. I think the fact that I have a a sixteen gig iPhone puts me in a very very small niche. Well, <laughs> yeah, I've got yeah. seventy two gigs iPhone seven, I think. Is the, think. is the X? I can't. I don't know. I don't know. I know it's iPhone seven. I don't know how big the memory is. I can't remember. I think it's thirty two. Um, is the X a limited edition? 
No. No, so it's just no. Anyway. No, it's People just the flagship. Yeah, it's just the anniversary Halo product for the year. Um, the A is a little bit cheaper, but not much cheaper. Um, and I I had an email this morning from Vodafone PR. They've asked me not to publish anything. It was just for uh, information only for journalists. But um, let me just print it up because uh, it made some interest in reading in terms of uh, I think the cheapest contract is about £58 on Vodafone and that's still with you paying £100 up front. So you're paying £100. 24 months. And that, that's, that's, that's for an 8. That's a 64 gig 8. I don't think they do the 32 anymore. That's just insane. They're putting the glass around it and it seems strange that the line is that it's the most durable on a phone which is kind of a relative statement it's no. for the wireless charging. The wireless charging won't work out without a glass. Yeah, but they're allowing um, third-party wireless chargers, so that you know that's something, isn't it? Yeah, so well, because theirs isn't they... ready. <laughs> if theirs was ready, you can bet it really well wouldn't. Yeah, it's going to be next year before theirs is ready. Um, so, yeah, phones... Um, I'd... I think all the phone manufacturers are starting to get to, it's starting to get now where um, because the subsidised contracts and all the rest of it, they seem to think they can charge what they like, but it has the bubble has to has to break at some point, and I think it'll be coming soon because a grand for a phone is just that's extortion. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, but don't it we is. say this with every new iPhone launch? And if we keep prophesying, well, see, I, I was burst, thinking about this. Point, at some point, we'll be right. It, uh, yeah, at some point we will be right. But I was thinking about this. The the one time I have gone out and actually bought an iPhone uh, on launch day, and I didn't buy it on a contract. I went out and bought the phone, and then bought the same contract because it was it was cheaper over the two years to do it that way than have a 24 month contract and i paid 400 and something pounds for the iphone then and that was the iphone 4 again it was it was the the lowest capacity one because i don't need much capacity i don't put music or anything on my phones but if you think about it at that price that 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 was expensive but i was reasonably happy to pay that up front when you're talking eight to a thousand eight hundred to a thousand pounds it's yeah but with the way and with the way iphones are depreciate but if, if you consider how our economy is tanking it's still a sounder investment than putting it in the bank well very possibly i mean i don't know it has actually been a long time now since i have spent any meaningful time using one of the later iterations of of an iphone but um i mean if we establish that is that as a category it's sort of mature now we're dealing with incremental improvements rather than sort of wholesale change it just it, it doesn't necessarily strike me as terribly worthwhile but then again maybe this is just a sign of me getting old and not finding this a priority point in my existence I, I mean obviously buying something like that and just thinking my son is going to drop this 7,000 times yeah. you know that possibly has, a, has an effect on it I guess yeah, oh, well, the, 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 the last time it was all glass, it was the iPhone 4, and I dropped mines and it, cracked the back. Um, and that was that was in a few weeks of owning it. So I'm quite glad they <laughs> went to the solid backs on the on these phones. I haven't smashed one since, Touchwood. Yeah, I, I dropped don't... my iPhone 7. It fell out of my pocket in a car park, and I've got to say, it was quite robust. Uh, it was only a tiny little dink on the corner. Um, was this a so... car park at night, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was... <laughs> I'll tell you what I was doing. I was actually trying to look under my car. Yeah, I'm sure you were. <laughs> my trousers were down at the time, officer. Keep digging. I don't know anybody else, though, but, you know, I, I keep proofing David's phone reviews and thinking they all kind of sound about the same now. And I'm pretty yeah. happy with my iPhone 7. I don't really need anything that they got to offer. They tend to, they're just... These these are small iterative uh, improvements, you know, and tiny little things that really aren't necessary. So, personally... I, I don't see any, any pressing need to up, upgrade my phone. I aren't they, aren't they kind of improvements less hardware-based and they're kind of moving more towards software improvements? Yeah. Things like the, the, the dual cameras for augmented reality and um, you know using Apple Pay with um, Face ID technology, that kind of thing, which, I don't know, I, I find slightly unsettling. What, that you've got to look at your phone for it to unlock? No, no, that you can look at, that you can use your face to pay for something. You know, use just face ID to to pay. Yeah, you know, it's kind well, of the Chinese me, already like, got that covered, Mark. Haven't they? No, but Mark, it's it's like uh, you know, if someone's going to steal my phone, they're going to rip off my face as well. I'm in Silence <laughs> of the Lambs. 
<laughs> yeah, I think you're getting a bit too deep there, Mark. Uh, it's an interesting point that you did raise, Steve. I was going to bring this on to other products, is that everything looks the same nowadays. And if you look at how the mobile phone market has progressed, um, we are at the stage here where they all look the same. All the Android phones look the same. All the iPhones tend to, to look the same. And it's the same in, in other industries. And, and one that I think of straight away is uh, the... Uh, there's a car show on at the minute uh, in Germany, and it's the big one. It's the one where everybody releases their stuff. It's a bit like the CES of the car world. And looking at all the cars nowadays, Ed, on the roads, yeah. they're all the same. And and it's getting harder and harder to to identify which car is which because they're all starting to look the same. They're all Euro boxes in grey or black or white. I don't know here. You see, this is where um I... um. Actually, I think we reached the worst point of all cars looking the same about 20 years ago, maybe even slightly before that. There was a point in the 90s where everyone basically designed a sort of jelly mould. Um, and there was a, a very famous... It started by the Sierra, wasn't it? That was well, the yeah, yeah it was, by, yeah. by the mid-90s, uh, there was a very, very famous article by... Um, uh, I can't remember if it was car magazine or performance car magazine and it was simply titled oh look it's one of those um and they basically they it was about 30 different cars um shot from the side with their identifying badges removed and do you know what it was bastard hard to tell them apart yeah at the very least cars because of this you know platform sharing and doing different bodies on that actually they're coming coming out of that but i completely agree with you with phones we've sort of discovered a sweet spot for there's a smaller screen size and then the sort of phablet screen size and then the and the boundaries between messing about with those physical sizes is less much less than a centimeter in any given direction and yeah, I mean, fundamentally, we know what we like. Uh, I still love that graphic that basically phones got smaller and smaller and smaller until we realised we could watch pornography on them, and then they sort of expanded again. <laughs> but nonetheless, they have finished expanding now. We've reached the we've reached the, the physical. You've reached the girth of. We've reached um... that. We've reached the satisfactory <laughs> phone girth. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, they have. It becomes a sort of, if you like, it becomes more and more of a circus. You have to hype it up more and more and more to sort of hide the fact that there's less and less and less, which is actually new. Yeah, and, and, and that's about thing, as deep as I want to get at this time of the morning. And and the thing is that we we were all writing the script for the Apple press conference before it even happened, weren't we? We were having a uh, a Skype conversation, text conversation, and we were coming out with all the buzzwords that you hear every time around. It's getting more and more cultish as well. Um, what, but, what are they calling the shops now? Uh, 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 town squares. Town squares? Yeah. <sighs> Dude, That's what about so, Right. It's like my town square, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there are any apple trees in the apple park? <laughs> Do we care? Um, yeah. Right, moving on. Uh, the one product that it will interest uh, a lot of EV phones members more than the iPhones is the 4K Apple TV. Um, the Apple TV has been forgotten about for a number of years. It's always been very US centric as well, which is, yeah, you know, I, I bought one and it kind of put me off using it was the fact that none of the apps really really appealed because they were really US-centric. However, this time around, it's 4K. Um, a lot of the apps on there are going to be usable, like Netflix and Amazon. Uh, I'm surprised that those are going to be on there, but they will be, um, as well as iTunes. And they've done some really interesting things with pricing, Mark, in terms of uh, people who have iTunes uh, accounts and have been buying movies through there. Yeah, yeah, that's got me a little bit interested for the first time in the Apple TV is uh, it's the fact they're going to be pricing the 4K UHD and HDR titles as the same as the what they're currently charging for HD on iTunes. And anyone who's bought uh, HD on iTunes already will get an upgrade to UHD, well, providing it's available, of course, in, in 4K. So uh, that sounds like a pretty good deal and quite a radical price um discount on, on on the competing services so it's it's definitely interesting it remains to be seen whether they'll have a 24 frames per second 23.976 output or not or whether it'll be 60 hertz with 3.2 pull down as as per most of the boxes currently. which it is currently i would be surprised if it, if it was but then again some of the some of the smoothing processes and video processes now to 59.94 uh, are pretty good so you can watch 
you can watch that content without too much visible judder. Uh, so I would guess it, they would go that way for app compatibility, but uh, it remains to be seen. But yeah, it's it's, it's certainly in terms of the pricing uh, for 4K movies through iTunes, it's it's quite attractive. It makes it a really attractive proposition having all that 4K content or potential to have all that 4K content in one box, Steve. You know, if they've got Amazon, they've got Netflix, and of course Netflix now doing Dolby Vision. Uh, as, as well as HDR10 uh, Amazon doing HDR10 I, I believe that Dolby Vision will come along at some point Amazon and it, do it Dolby Vision in the States actually already Phil, right, so, so for some it, reason they haven't rolled it out elsewhere but, but it will come, you know it's going to come yeah. so I mean it uh, there was a thread on the forums and of course no, the Apple TV is not going to replace UHD Blu-ray but it makes an interesting point that for a one box solution if you've got a really good internet connection and you're happy with streaming quality um, and it will uh, it, I haven't said it's going to do Atmos but it does Dolby, uh, Dolby Digital Plus which Atmos is more than capable of being used on that so yeah. in likelihood Atmos will turn up on there as, as well at some point it's looking like a cracking little box for, for 4K content yeah, I'm. I'm very tempted. It's. 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 You're right. It's got everything in one place. I think, and I could be wrong here, but I think Apple also are going to use Dolby Vision on iTunes, aren't they? So uh, yes, it's going to be yeah, a, Dolby the Vision. Is definitely Dolby Vision capable. I don't. Have so yeah. So you've got Dolby Vision, iTunes, uh, Netflix, and Amazon. If you're in the US, um, in the UK, you also get Now TV on it as well. So that's that's great. So you really, it really is a one. But I mean, I moved my old Apple TV into the home cinema uh, when I got the B7 because that had all the apps on it already. And, um, you know, it's been actually found to be really useful using it as a streaming source for all those particular um, services. So I, I think it, it's definitely going to, uh, I mean, for a number of years now, the Apple TV has been behind the game. But I think now Apple are back in, back at the front. I mean, Mark probably has a better opinion on this to me because he's obviously seen I would say the shield. Media I'd say the shield still trumps it, but. Uh, yeah, but it's the shield doesn't have Dolby Vision, so that's in uh, contention. Not streaming services. Yeah, yeah, I think it's back in contention. I think the Dolby Vision thing is a big thing. I think that's that's uh, that's big news for, for for Apple. It's also extremely big news for Dolby because they suddenly have uh, Dolby Vision content being provided on a, a very big, you know, big service and on a very very popular device. Um, and you're right, Phil. Although they don't mention it, if, if it can do Dolby, Dolby Digital Plus. There's no reason why it can't also deliver Dolby Atmos. So things like, for example, like the uh, Netflix app, which already does support Dolby Atmos on certain devices, including the LG TVs, could be included there. So that's starting to look like a really, really strong contender. Uh, and yes, it won't, you know, it won't replace Ultra HD Blu-ray if you want the very best. But you know, I'm always consistently surprised at how good streaming can look even on a big screen. So yeah, really good news. Yeah. Can you run? Um... Is, I've not really looked into it. Can you get put a VPN on Apple TV or a VPN app? So you could look like you could have it. You look like you're you in can the do States, it. Basically, you can do it uh, relatively easily. Yes, can. Mm. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, it'll be interesting. Hopefully, we will get one in for review. Um, I'll let Steve and Mark fight over who actually gets to review it, but. Um, that should be interesting. It's it's an interesting little box. It's actually got me interested again in the Apple TV. As long as we get a lot of the features that that the US get, because it's you know, it'd be nice for Apple to cons- you know think about people outside of uh, of the US when it comes, especially when it comes to the sports stuff. Because there's some interesting things there, Mark, that they could be doing in the UK with football or, or soccer, as they call it. Um, you know, if they could get the Premier League signed up, that kind of thing. They would, well, they make... there's talk of Amazon being very interested in the Premier League. They've already done some NFL, right. so, so I think Amazon are, are more in the lead to 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 do some Premier League games. But you never know; they've got the money. Yeah, I think adding Amazon to the to the Apple TV is a big one because that's been missing up till now. So now you've got Netflix, Amazon, and, and now TV. So if you're in the UK, that's the three main streaming services outside of the catch-up TV services that you would want from a box. So it ticks all the boxes, no pun intended for me. Um, but yeah, it'd be nice if they did do a few more UK or non-US centric stuff. Although you, you did point, you did actually land on a very interesting point there, Steve, that is that if, if you have a current new TV, um, the likelihood is that you're going to have all of these streaming services built in anyway. And if you've got a 4K Dolby Vision set, then Netflix and Amazon has that capability as well. So yeah. do you need a standalone box? Well, uh, obviously, yes, you're absolutely right. It, a TV probably will have these features, and certainly some TVs have got all this stuff already. But like I said, um, if you've got a projector, it could be a really good way of um, of adding HDR and yeah, and totally, totally. To but but that's that's our little niche market there, Steve. Yeah, what I'm talking about is, is you know, 
looking at this, the type of people that Apple are aiming at this kind of thing at, you know, is there a market? Because all new TVs have have these apps. I suppose built in they're anyway. looking at people who don't buy TVs, maybe who you know who who use a monitor, perhaps. It's not just that they've got they've got if they've got the um, the operating system able to in terms of content discovery show you content from now TV on your home screen and Amazon and Netflix and you can just choose between it easily without going in and out of an app. I'm not sure a smart TV can do that. You can the Shield certainly going that way where you you know you got you've got you can apps can can um, access the content discovery bar at the top so it can, you can just continue watching your, your last Netflix series or your like your last Amazon series and you know that, that that's an advantage to a dedicated box. Okay. But again, this Samsung TV that I have here, Mark, as soon as you highlight uh, along the bottom bar that you want Netflix or Amazon, it actually brings up what you've recently yeah. been watching and what's what's new to the service. So things are catching up in yeah. terms of content discovery. I've got to say, I'm well impressed with, with WebOS in terms of using it as a internet platform. Really, really great yeah. for nipping yeah. in and out of all different... One good thing about the um, Apple TV is at least it doesn't cost an arm and a leg. I know it's more expensive than it used to be, but... Um, but 179 quid is the kind of money you could happily, you know, not happily perhaps, but the kind of money you could spend without it making a massive dent in your wallet like a thousand pounds on a phone would be. So it's exactly the same as the Shield TV. Is that? Oh, that's what their price is based on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's interesting. Hopefully, we'll get in for a review uh, as soon as we can, and uh, we'll see what it's actually like. So, um, talking about UHD and 4K, uh, very quickly, Steve, because the article is up on the homepage and people can go and read it for themselves. But you've round up all the uh, UHD Blu-ray players uh, that are available in the market as it stands. Yeah, I have, um, and uh, we've been through every single one that's currently available, and, and we've sort of picked out the best bits of each each player, um, and. I think overall, there are some. First of all, there are some cracking deals out there. I mean, I mean, prices have unlocked, with the exception of the Oppo, <laughs> prices have tumbled uh, over the last few months. So, if you're thinking about buying a player, now is a great time to get one because you can pick up the Samsung uh, UBD K8500, which was released last year, it was the very first Ultra HD Blu-ray player. You can get that for 179 pounds, and that's a bloody good player. That's, that's cracking value. Yeah, cracking player. 179 pounds. You can't go wrong. That is, if you're thinking about dipping your toe in, and we just said 179 pounds for the Apple TVs are not unreasonable. Yeah, you can get yourself an Ultra HD Blu-ray player for the same price, yeah. and it's got the streaming services, and it does them really well. Yeah, that, that's a big selling point for the Samsung is is the streaming side of it. It's got everything on there, all the catch-up stuff, and it's really good quality, and it does uh, auto refresh. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's really good. So that's a cracking deal. Um, if you don't fancy that, you've also got the Panasonic, the UB three hundred again, less than two hundred pounds. Or you can even go for the uh, for the Xbox One S, of course, and get a games console as well. So there's so at the lower end of the market, some great options. Um, at the higher end of the market, uh, it is expensive, but there's no question. If you want everything right now, you're looking at an Oppo. You're looking at the Oppo UDP UB UB UDP two hundred three. £649, I, I grant you, is not cheap. But you do get uh, universal playback. So it'll playback you know, DVD, Blu-ray, 2D and 3D. Uh, it'll playback CD, um, DVD audio, and SACD. It'll also do Dolby Vision. Uh, it's got analog outputs if you want those. I mean, it's got everything, basically. And it's the only player on the market, unless you go for the uh, 205, which obviously is crazy money. But um, you know, if you're talking about sensible-ish money, uh, 203 is the one to get, because it's got everything. And... Um, and it's a cracking player, and it's well made, and it's you know, nice, and it, you, you do feel like you've got, you may spend a bit more, but you do feel like you've got something, you've got value for your money, and also it can be modified very easily for multi-region playback as well. So that's the that's the one to go for. If you don't want Dolby Vision, then the Panasonic UB900 is still an absolutely cracking deal. Uh, you can get that for about 350 quid, I think it is now, um, and it's still a really, you know, it's a fantastic player uh, and does everything you'd want it to do except for Dolby Vision, so that's definitely worth considering. And if you want universal playback, so you want to be able to play SACDs and DVD audio, but you don't want to shell out for the for the Oppo, then the Sony X800 is, again, a really good deal too. Um, it doesn't do Dolby Vision, but it will do. Uh, and it doesn't do analog either, I should stress, but it does do um, universal playback. So those would be my sort of top tips for, uh, for players at the moment. And obviously, if you want Dolby Vision, but you don't want to pay for the Oppo, then your option is the LG UP970, which you can get for a about 279 pounds now 250 pounds so again it's not the best player it's a bit flimsy and you know it's got its issues but uh, it's the cheapest cheapest way of getting uh, Dolby Vision okay. how sick are you of UHD Blu-ray players now Steve <laughs> and how well I, I, how well thumbed is your thesaurus on the on the on the page saying <laughs> identical synonyms <laughs> 
I, I won't be unhappy if I don't have to review one for a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, QC. I know a lot about Ultra HD Blu-ray players now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Q, another boatload of them coming in in less than 114 days, Steve, at CES. We'll, get all yeah, the yeah. well they'll be announced at least. <laughs> I think yeah. Uh, right, so okay, so that's the UHD Blu-ray players, the roundup is on the homepage, uh, so if you're interested in that, go and search it out and uh, have a good read. And they're also on the homepage is the OLED TV comparison as well, so if you're thinking of upgrading your TV as well, that's also on the homepage, go and have a read of that. Uh, it makes for interesting reading. Right, let's move on to the future of technology. We're talking turntables and vinyl. It's the Riga Planar 6, it's on the homepage as well, Ed, so we don't really need a, a full review here, but give us the highlights. Um, this one has been a bit of a long time coming. It, it, we, we sort of assumed that when the Planar 3 came out, uh, the Planar 6 would follow in very short order because the two are not, have historically been quite closely related. Not this time. Uh, this is, uh, largely speaking, an, an all-new piece of equipment. And uh, yes, I don't, won't go into an unnecessary detail, but it is startlingly good. It feels a bit weird. You can read why I say that in the review. It, it's a, it's, it's different to how we often perceive a piece of, you know, relatively expensive hi-fi equipment to feel. But once you sort of dial into it, and more importantly, to sit down and listen to it, it's a seriously, seriously good piece of equipment, and one that. Um, if you are looking at, you know, this relatively rarefied price point, you need to go and have a listen to to a Planar Six. It's simple as that. It's it's a bit of a no-brainer sort of item at the moment. Okay, um, but you make you made a, a a comment of it. I think it was even in your byline that it doesn't weigh much, and and in the hi-fi world, it, yes, it's usually all about at. weight, isn't it? Weight is a an implied byword for quality and this is an extremely light product it weighs less than the planar three or the planar two um which you know it as i say it takes a bit of time to get used to that but riga's been really really clever because as i say in the review all the points of contact that you make with it so the, can, the buttons on the on the power supply to switch it on the arm and, and just your general points of contact with the record player, it still manages to feel like it is exceptionally well bolted together. But yes, it, it weighs, the plinth, when you haven't got anything attached to it, weighs less than a kilo. And that does take a bit of getting used to. Um, and yeah, if, you, if you're looking for your record player to be a, a sort of giant monument to the, 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 the heavy ends of the periodic table, it probably isn't the one for you, but if you sit and listen to it, it does start to make an enormous amount of sense. It's seriously, seriously good. Okay, and for people who are seriously, seriously rich uh, and <laughs> and like their vinyl, um, you've also gone or you're also going to publish your best high-end turntables. Yes, this. Uh, if you told me in 2012 that I would have reviewed enough high-end turntables to make such a list for AV forums, I'd have been momentarily surprised. But here we are. Um, it's worth pointing out. Um, just, just you know, me possibly being defensive here. Yeah, some of the prices of these units are quite high. However, they are across the list. They are roughly commensurate with the pricing of the devices in Steve's OLED. TV roundup, and I bet you in three years' time they ain't going to be obsolete. So it comes down to obviously your priorities. But if you are you are going to be spending quite a lot of money on some of these objects, but provided that you are keen on vinyl as a format, that's pretty much it. With you know some routine care and attention to the belt and the bearing, they will keep going largely indefinitely so you know i've run through some of the options that we've looked at the pricing the the riga is on that list so that's the cheapest one there at 1398 pounds including cartridge and it goes up to well quite a lot in the case of the vpi prime but once you've bought them they will continue to be absolutely delightful objects for a largely indefinite period of time so do do take that into account when you know considering it but equally I don't would, would say that none of the ones on that list are perhaps turntables that you should be looking at as your first player unless you are quite minted. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd dip, a, dip a toe in the waters with something more affordable first. And your idea of more affordable would be? Um, Only well, selling one kidney. <laughs> <laughs> no. If you, in, in all seriousness, some time ago I reviewed the Project Essential 3 
which is under £300. Uh, so again, roughly commensurate with some of the UHD Blu-ray players we've been talking about. That is a turntable that uh, is perfectly capable, first most importantly, of playing any record you might choose to stick on it without causing it any harm. It doesn't track too heavy or you know drag a cartridge stylus the size of a piece of barbed wire through it or anything like that. It's easy to set up, easy to get started, and it's good enough to start showing you what vinyl is about. And as I say, under 300 quid, and it even looks quite nice. So that would be that would be a start point that's you know perfect, perfectly respectable, and rather more sensibly priced than some of the ones on the list. Okay, so that's hardware news for this week. Uh, next is movie news, and we actually have some reviews this week. All right, so moving on to movie news, and uh, myself and Steve actually managed to get out to the cinema this week. In fact, uh, my card is now washing its face. I'm breaking even at this point. I've seen two films this week. Um, I wanted to see three, but Detroit has finished its run, unfortunately, at the cinema, so I left that one too late. Um, I don't think it's gone down as as well as we thought it was going to um, perform, Steve, which seems a, a little bit disappointing. It'll have to be one that we get on a streaming or, or pick up on disc. Uh I did manage to see uh, Logan Lucky. I keep wanting to say Lucky Logan. <laughs> but I did see uh, Logan Lucky. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, a 10 out of 10 from me in terms of the fact that there is a Grabber Blue Mustang GT350 featured quite heavily in it. And it sounds absolutely glorious. Um, 7 out of 10 for the actual movie. The, uh, <laughs> 10 out of 10 for the car. <laughs> 10 out of 10 for the car. Absolutely. If, I could, if they brought that to the UK, I'd be first on the order list. Uh, for that one, absolutely beautiful. Right, anyway, uh, seven out of ten for the movie. Um, it's it's a good, fun, caper, uh, heist type thing. Um, not as good as Russians Eleven or anything like that. But then, it's uh, it is funny, and Daniel Craig is just playing so against type. It's it's hilarious. Just every every scene he's in, he steals basically for me. Um, some real laugh out loud moments in there. Some real redneck American humour. Um, yeah, it's it's actually. Uh, surprised me how funny I found it. Like I say, it's it's not the greatest uh, heist caper movie out there, but for a couple of hours, it's enjoyable fun, um, and and I enjoyed it. And I actually went into uh, uh, the captioned screen. I didn't realise it was captioned, um, <laughs> which annoyed me to, for for all of like five minutes at the start, and then you, and then you ignore the the subtitles on the screen. So uh, yeah, it was enjoyable. And then last night. I went to see American Assassin. It was the opening night for that. Um, wasn't sure what to expect. I only saw the trailer for it um, the evening before when I went to see Logan Lucky. So um, I didn't realise it was out the next again day until you told me it was and I booked a ticket and went to see it. So it's it, it's a difficult one to categorise in terms of it, it takes its influences from a lot of things like your Jack Ryan's, your Jack Reacher your born films you know that that type of that type of movie however those movies have certainly moved into the more sort of 12a pg13 realm in recent years so it's nice to see that this was rated at 18 which was which was one of the appealing things for me to go and actually see it because I'm thinking I wouldn't go and see it yeah yeah just, give, just given what the, the f- have you got to do yeah <laughs> what have you got to do these days to get an 18 and and, and really there's a lot of torture scenes there's a lot of pull- it's a torture that got in 18 yeah yeah, yeah. Um, well I'm not going to spoil it but there's pulling body parts and, and it's, yeah it's really quite graphic if you don't like your violence um, you know your your brain headshots and all that kind of thing this is pretty brutal and his arms being broken and head butts and all that kind of thing if you don't like that kind of thing you're not gonna like this film because it is really intense that way however i think the genre has been when you're talking about islamic terrorism and nuclear terrorism and all that kind of things you know these are not nice people and they do some really brutal and violent things and a pg-13 just doesn't cover it um, if you're going to go into this subject matter, then then go, f- you know, full on, um, which this film does. It starts out really good. Again, we're not going to spoil it. It has a really interesting take as to how our hero. Um, I'm trying to remember his name. It's Rap, isn't it? Mit- is it yes, Mit- it's Mitch Rap. Mitch Rap. How he falls into working for the CIA. Um, it, 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 the way that that happens is really really interesting. I haven't seen it done before. Um, and and it's really quite powerful, and you can see the motivation as to why somebody would would then want to 
dedicate their life to that 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 line of work and it is it does have the spy you know the whole spooks type of thing vibe running through it the problem is it falls too much into that for the second half of the film so it starts out really well and you think oh this is going to be really good they're really going to tackle some burning issues of the moment and all the rest of it as i think probably midway through the second act especially when he starts training to do the role that he's going to do it just it just gets very very familiar in terms of we've seen this before we've seen these tropes before we've seen this kind of plotting before the the whole plot of the film changes quite drastically and what you thought you were going to follow you don't actually follow that you go off on another tangent and it's and it really reminded me of of uh jack ryan type yeah, the, of the adventure jack ryan one and some some of all some of all fears. Some of all fears. It goes off in that it was tangent. That one particular yeah. is the one it reminded me of the most. Yeah, but for if, if you like your violence, if you like your reality, if you like your um, spy thriller action stuff to be, you know, intense and and there's some good performances in here. Um, Michael Keaton's brilliant. He's really, yeah, good. He's really good. The the guy that plays rap, I think he's um, O'Brien. Dylan O'Brien. Dylan O'Brien. Haven't seen him in a, in anything. Um, I believe he's a TV star. Uh, he's more TV. He's in dramatic. the Maze Runner movies, right? And he's also in Deep Water Horizon, actually. All right, okay. Um, yeah. I, he wasn't familiar to me, but uh, for somebody who was playing the lead role, I thought I thought he he held it up pretty well. Um, he, he's a likable character, um, and it was and it was interesting. It's just like I say, second act onwards. It became very familiar. Um, the plot started to to get a bit confusing in, in itself. Not confusing for the viewer, but um, they, they had some interesting points that they were trying to make. But it felt like it got buried. And and the actual end, which again we're not going to spoil, it was just a little bit. Mm, okay, you've gone you've gone for the big end in here, where it it probably didn't really need that. To, to tell the interesting story. I think there was a more interesting story there from the first act going on. I don't know what you think, Steve. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I thought the first half of the film was really good, actually. And like you say, it had an interesting take on on events and uh, and a different angle for the for the protagonist. And I think, yeah, this is this is really good. And I didn't realise until I read um, Cassidy's Review, it's based upon a series of books. The second half, unfortunately, becomes quite derivative. It's more of your typical, you know, uh, spook style. Twenty, like it felt like an episode of Twenty Four in the second half, didn't it? Um, and in fact, actually, the plot from Twenty Four has been used a few times in a similar fashion. Uh, and it, towards the end, it got a bit silly, um, which is a shame because the first half was quite realistic. There was some really, really good stuff when they're doing the training when he's talking about, you know, that's not how you kill someone; that's just in the movies. This is how you do it for real. And I thought, yeah, this is good. I like this. This is going for a realistic angle, and then it got a bit unrealistic towards the end it, it was uh, almost like shame. it was almost like two different films two different films yeah it really was <laughs> but yeah, i still enjoyed it i think i think kaz's score of seven out of ten is, is about right for me i think yeah. it's a fun entertaining two hours at the movies i thought the action was well done the leads are likable and michael keaton was really good uh and yeah i, I came out of it thinking oh, i enjoyed that i mean I, I think it could have been a lot better if it had stuck to its guns in the first half from the first half unintended <laughs> Pun definitely intended it would have been um I think it'd have been a better movie um, yeah. and a, a more original. But uh, as it as it stands, it's still it's still um, an entertaining film with an interesting take, as you say, on on the on the backstory to the protagonist. And apparently, this is the eleventh book in the series where the writer went back to explain the backstory to Mitch Rapp. Unfortunately, Rapp's not a great name because I kept I kept thinking they were calling him Rat through a lot of the film <laughs> until I worked out his name was Rapp. <laughs> Why are they calling him Rat? Um, but uh, yeah, apparently it's based on a series of books, so and they have optioned more of them, so there could be more if this does well at the cinema. Um, but what I did like, best of all, you mentioned it, Phil, is that it was 18 certificate. They didn't try and water it down for a PG-13 crowd. They didn't, and in giving it a relatively young protagonist, and he's you know, in his early 20s, um, you know, they could have gone that way, but they didn't. They, they stuck, to, stuck to it and uh, I, I, kept it. Uh, yeah, they could have gone for the, the bigger audience with a PG-13 or, or a 12A certificate. But when it's about the subject matter that it is, and yeah. and everything else has moved in into the lower, uh, you know, certification category, this stuck to its guns, like you say. It 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 showed you that these are not nice people, um, mm. and they're not dealing with nice people. And you know, when you're talking about Islamic terrorists and that kind of thing, um, it's actually showing you the reality behind it. Um, which is what you want to see on the screen, and and that was disappointing that they didn't carry that through. It became your run of the mill actioner, 
in the end, and and the ending was just silly, like you say. Um, Although I like the villain because the villain was was you know, you're only as good as your villain, aren't you? As far as a hero goes, and I thought the villain um, had skills and and an agenda of his own that um, I, I I like that bit too. Again, yeah. they could have they could have kept it lower key, and that would have been a better film. They just stuck with those two aspects: yeah, the, the exactly. protagonist's backstory yeah. and the villain's backstory. In fact, yeah. uh, um, I think there was a better film in there than they ended up making, and it's a shame, but uh, it's still fun. Yeah. Okay, so that is the two films I saw. Uh, obviously, you've seen American Assassin. What was the other film that you went to see? Yeah, I did, I did a one-two punch last night to get my card to pay for itself. Uh, I saw American Assassin, and then I immediately afterwards saw It, which I've got to say I really, really enjoyed. Um, it, I've, I've never read the book, actually, and I've never seen the Tim Curry version of It, the TV movie or miniseries that they did in 1990, I think it was. So, so I went into it pretty fresh, um, and I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, one thing I can say is to really rip it off in Stranger Things. I hadn't realised just how how similar <laughs> uh, the setup is, and in fact, one of the kids in it is also one of the kids in Stranger Things. You must be wondering what decade he's in, because he spent the last year filming in the eighties. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but it, it gets its eighties details really, really. It does a, like Stranger Things. It does a really good job of setting the tone and the period, and then it does not shy away from the scares and the gore and i'm surprised given we're talking about ratings this got a 15 rating when one of the early when the first scenes of the film was a, a four-year-old kid having his arm ripped off you'd think that might warrant slightly higher rating it's really scary it's very gory it's very funny at times the kids swear a lot and act like real kids um they're well cast they're all really good in their roles um and the guy playing pennyworth penny pennyworth pennywise the clown um uh Ted, what's his name? Pete. I can't explain that. Peter Sarsgaard, I think he is. Um, he's really good as well. Um, maybe not Tim Curry, but uh, it's still really creepy. And uh, overall, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was it was fun and entertaining and scary in the right way, and also quite gory, uh, which I also really liked. And um, I didn't realise because the film ends with the title at the end, so uh, it says it chapter one. And I didn't realise until I looked afterwards that the book is in two parts. Um, the first part set in the fifties, the second part set in the eighties. Uh, and they've obviously what they've done is transposed the first part of the book to the 80s, which suggests, given it's been a massive hit, that they'll do the second half of the book um, in in the, in the not, well, I guess it'd be 2015, given the time scales, to, set in 2015. So uh, it looks like they're going to be doing the second half of the book as well. So I did realize it's only half of the book of half the book it. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. I thought the cast were excellent. I thought the villain was was strong, um, and uh, and it was gory and violent and uh, scary and lots of swearing and lots of funny jokes and yeah, brilliant. Really, re- highly recommend it. Okay, good. So uh, that's the reviews this week. Uh, so films opening this Friday. These stuff that we can go and see. One big opening this week. We got Kingsman: The Golden Circle. Obviously, oh, at last. The Secret Service. I am so sick of seeing the uh, the promotional stuff for this. Yeah, it seems to have been it's been going on for months. So finally, the film's getting released. Great, we can stop seeing all the trailers now. <laughs> yeah, and it opens on the um, uh, I think it's either the Wednesday or Thursday next week, so we'll be, we'll be able to see it before the podcast. Oh yeah, cool. Am I the only one who thinks I will go with Mother? Sorry, oh, sorry. Oh, go no, no, no. You go ahead. Mine was just going to be smart. <laughs> <laughs> when when have we ever turned down smart? Go on. Yeah, well, it's on, just. Then. Am I the only one who thinks the title of it sounds like a Viz Profanosaurus entry, the Golden Circle, <laughs> with yeah. the speedboat? Yeah, I think you're the only one. All right, fair enough. <laughs> um, it seems to they've really hyped this up, and I hope they haven't overhyped this, Steve, because I did enjoy the first one. I, th- I thought it was really quite fun and entertaining, and the comedy was great. The characters were good. Uh, it was really out there, it was silly, it was preposterous, but it was enjoyable. Um, it looks like they've really ramped things up, turned it up to a living on this one, I just hope they haven't spoiled it. Yeah, no, but it's the same director and writer, so um, Matthew Vaughan and uh, Jane Goldman, so I've got hopes that they they can deliver a second. Obviously, they've introduced The Statesman, which is the American version of The Kingsman, um, which looks like it would be fun. Um, Julianne Moore appears to be the villain. Um, and it looks like she's basically Amazon. <laughs> I think last time it was Samuel Jackson being, I don't know, a weird version of Steve Jobs, I think. Uh, so, uh, um, 
yeah, if, if it can deliver the same laughs and, and over-the-top action that the first one did um, and wink to the camera every now and then, then, then I'm sure it'll be fine. It, it looks, yeah. looks like it'll be fun in the trailers, the, the in, original, the, in the many, many, many trailers I've seen. Yeah, the, the original <laughs> film as well ended on bum sex with a princess, and that's that's the best ending you could ever have. <laughs> did Ed say that they had to adjust the HDR? I'm grade so I am bum. told that that, <laughs> that last scene had to be modified slightly. But uh, apparently, I checked. Actually, I was checking on IMDb because I couldn't place one of the people in the trailer, and he was um, in Game of Thrones, which is where yeah, I've yeah, seen he's, him. He's um, yes, um, um, well, but born. but it would appear that the the the, the princess lady is is in the second one, uh, as are her parents or people playing her parents. So it will we'll be interesting to see where that goes. But um, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously, the cinema is a terrifying place full of other people, but I might possibly feel compelled to go it depends how quickly i can start walking again right okay so we're running a book on this i say you won't do it i reckon you're probably right i'm just <laughs> saying there is an out an outside chance i might possibly go anybody but... want to take the outside chance 10 to 1 no i think there's a chance if someone drops him off at the cinema and he has to try and walk out <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I'm I'm off to be checked for MRSA later today, and if that's the case, then I get <laughs> operated on on the 29th of September. So it really comes down to whether it's MRSA. It's the um, and it's the superbug that they're trying to keep oh. out of um, keep out of hospitals. I need to be very clear about this before anyone gets. I am not suspected of having MRSA. It is something that <laughs> Milton Keynes Hospital does to all people coming in for day surgery so as to prevent it, the infection being brought into the hospital. I was just going to say you're, you're going to get contacted by a lot of PR agencies saying, no, keep the turntable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, hey, don't tell him that. He'll use that ploy. He will. Uh, you yes. thought my leprosy would have been more of an yeah. issue. But, yeah. Steve, it's a super bug. It's not another form of HDR. Yet, yeah, immersive sound system. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, we'll, we'll we'll see. I mean, I just want these bloody bits of metal out of me now. So yeah, okay. So let's move on swiftly then. So that's uh, what's happening at the cinema. Kingsman. We're going to go and see it. We'll review it next week. Uh, Blu-ray releases for those of us who are still buying Blu-rays. Did you buy one, Ed? Because you were talking about it last week. Um, yeah, uh, I bought their finest, the uh, Chris Pine. <laughs> Because I just looked at it, it had a nice running time. Uh, it had some sequences, which I mean, you you know, obviously, no, I buy these. You mean, you mean you mean finest hours? Isn't finest hours, yeah. Their finest the, is the one with Bill Nye about. No, 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 no. Sorry, fi- finest hours. The uh, you can show how, see how much attention I paid to it. Um, it has it's a reasonably short running length. It had some useful useful sequences. It's gone into the cupboard. I might see it again in six months to a year. Yay. I like the fact that a short running time is listed as a positive. It I'll, is. T- I'll tell you when you get when you get to our age, when you get to our age, Mark, and it's like eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night, and okay. you're thinking, "Can I fit this film in before my eleven p.m. bedtime?" Uh, no, that's fair, fair enough. I'm already choosing books based on. Oh, this has got large print. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look, I'm with Phil. I look at the running time, and think, "Oh, ninety minutes, excellent. I get this one in cheeky, cheeky ninety minutes. That's fine." But when it's two hours and thirty minutes, it's like, "Nah, I'm gonna fall asleep." Yeah. Um, right, well, those of us, those of you out there who are still regularly buying Blu-rays, uh, you can this week get Alien Covenant. That's now available on Blu-ray, also available on Ultra HD Blu-ray as well. Uh, dreadful film. Uh, Great-looking disc. <laughs> Bloody awful film. Um, really uh, unfortunate that uh, Ridley, Cott's, Ridley Scott seems determined to uh, keep mining Alien and ruining his original film by all this unnecessary and rubbish backstory. But uh, if you're an Alien fan and you have to own it and can be a completist, as I did, unfortunately, on Ultra HD Blu-ray, um, it's available now. And it does, as I say, it does actually look spectacular and it's got a great Atmos soundtrack. But, yeah, it's, uh, not, it's not the worst film you've ever bought on UHD, is it? No, no, it's not the worst film I've ever bought. Also. <laughs> but uh, it, it's, let's put it this way, it, it, it's not as good as Life, <laughs> the other Alien on a Spaceship movie that came out this year. So... Um, there you go. Uh, also available, Miss Sloan, a new film starring uh, Jessica Chastain about a lobbyist, um, which I know that, don't know much about, really. Also, um, an animated movie that's been getting really good reviews called My Life as a Courgette, a uh, French animated film. Um, when's that When's that one out, Steve? <laughs> on Monday. Are you sure it's not out tomorrow? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. I'm going to mute now. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yes, My Life as a Courgette, uh, which is uh, um, an animated film from France that's um, apparently very, very good. Uh, and also um, Arrow, season five. So Arrow is one of the uh, DC TV series that they're running, along with The Flash and things like that, and Supergirl. And um, season five is available on Blu-ray this week as well. You'll be proud of me, Steve. I, I actually bought three UHD Blu-rays this week. Yeah, you went a bit mad, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, for, the band for me, but I only did that because they were like £14 and £18 a disc, so I splashed the cash. Order? I ordered T2 Judgment Day. I saw it at the cinema. I think, yeah, need to have that one on disc. Um, what else did I buy? Close Encounters, which is now shipping. I should have it next week. Um, thanks to Odeon, who are not showing it at the cinema. <laughs> and um, uh, no, the other one was Bram Stoker's Dracula, which gets its 25th ah, yeah. anniversary. Um, so I wanted the, the Dolby Atmos version of Keanu Reeves' English accent. <laughs> but, but I've still got to say... one a, of the, A weak one, spot in an otherwise really good film. That, I, I have to say the art direction on that movie is still stands up there as... Wow, this just looks, it's just dripping with atmosphere. This should atmosphere. look bloody good on 4K Blu-ray, because obviously it was yeah. shot on 35mm film, and all the effects were done in camera, so there's no opticals, no composites. Um, so I'm expecting this to actually look really impressive. It looked great on Blu-ray last time it was released, so this, this should look really impressive. Yeah, and it's... the Dolby Apple soundtrack, I can say, is absolutely fantastic. All right, well, I've got three discs, so there. I'm, you'll be happy good. with me. Excellent. Right, so um, what, what else can I go out and buy? If you want to buy anything else uh, out this week in the UK, Prometheus uh, on Ultra HD Blu-ray. So if you want to get a, a, you know, a hat trick and a, a brace of um, alien prequels on Ultra HD Blu-ray, both of which are rubbish and feel free. Uh, also, Get Out on Ultra HD. Now, Get Out's really good. I saw this on Blu-ray um, a few weeks ago and really, really enjoyed it. So um, that's the film I recommend highly. It's a kind of a, a horror film with racial undertones that uh, I don't want to say any more than that, but... Uh, it was really, really good. Check that out. Uh, announced um, coming out on the 7th of November is Valerian. That's coming out uh, from Lionsgate in the States, I guess about about the same time in the UK, but uh, certainly in the States on 7th of November, and it's going to have Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos. It's, it's, going, to be also, a, it's going to be a demo disc. It's going to be one of these reference discs going forward. It's going, to, it's going to look stunning. And also coming out a week after that on the 14th of November, again in the States, is Atomic Blonde, which will also be Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos. So... So more Dolby Atmos titles. I mean, it's interesting that we mentioned earlier about uh, uh, Apple adopting Dolby um, Dolby Vision. So that's uh, that, that's going to be a big big boost for the for the format, I think. And also, you know, we've been talking about HDR10 Plus and stuff. You know, it's worth remembering HDR10 Plus is not part of the Dolby the Ultra HD Blu-ray specs yet. Uh, and I've already got eight discs that have Dolby Vision on them, and there are a lot more coming out. So I think initial uh, first blood, at least, goes to Dolby in terms of the so-called uh, um, don't mess data format war. Yeah, and the fact that they developed HDR10 as well, which the vast majority of discs have. So there you go. Yes. Uh, right. Let's move on swiftly. Uh, some more Star Wars news to uh, bore everybody with. We were only going to spend three and a half minutes on this, Steve. So crack on. Yeah. Well, obviously we we mentioned last week in the podcast that the director of um, Episode Nine had been sacked. Um, for whatever reason, it created differences. Apparently, he was very difficult on set, but I think mainly because his previous film absolutely tanked. Uh, and un- unsurprisingly, um, we we were discussing when they might go for Ryan Johnson, but obviously he's still busy doing episode eight. Unsurprisingly, they've gone and brought in J.J. Abrams, who was doing nothing anyway, as far as I could tell. Uh, uh, so he's going to be coming back to direct episode eight. Uh, sorry, episode nine after directing episode seven. So we can all expect a remake of Jedi, presumably. Um, and um, as I mentioned last week, I suggested this is going to happen. It did happen. They've also moved the release date from May 2019 to December 2019, um, which makes sense. Obviously, they haven't even written a damn thing yet, and they've got to, you know, they're not going to do it in time. I still expect them, although they're still saying May for um, Hans Turner movie. I'll be gobsmacked back to that. Get doesn't get pushed back to December next year as well, because why rush it out when you're still shooting? You know, they're not going to get the effects done in six months. So um, that's the big news. We really. JJ Abrams is back doing episode nine and i'm really disappointed at that news yeah ken oh, loach. Well. they overlooked ken loach yeah no it, it it's the they're playing it too safe you you just know now that you know last jedi is is just going to be more of the the same it's going to be a, an empire <laughs> reboot remake and like you like you you said J. abrams going to come back and direct some ewoks yeah um yeah i mean it, it's not that he did a bad job, you know. Obviously, J.J. did a great job as far as Disney is concerned. Um, with Episode Seven, it was a massive hit. It rebooted the franchise and did everything it was supposed to do. Although 
I think we all agree he played it way too safe. I still have hopes that Ryan Johnson can do something different with episode eight. Uh, he's an interesting filmmaker, and they, he's obviously knows how to play the game, unlike everybody else they've been hiring, because they've already they were going to hire Josh Trank to do a standalone movie, and then um, Fantastic Four came out and absolutely tanked, and it was, loads, it was a complete disaster. He got the boot. Gareth Edwards got brought in, tried to do what he wanted to do, and then got pushed aside as they finished it with another director. They've sacked Lord and Miller <laughs> at the end of production uh, because they were trying to do things their own way. And then they brought in Ron Howard. You know, you can imagine anyone le- less interesting to do a film. No offense to Ron Howard, he's, he's a journeyman. Uh, and then they had Colin Trevorrow, who again had done Jurassic World, you know, but his next film, Bombs, and they've got rid of him too. Um, although apparently he was being very difficult <laughs> to work with. It's, yeah, it just, it's like they, they just want people who are going to do what they're told and are going to follow the party line and, uh, and stay within the, you know, the guidelines set by Kathleen Kennedy and Lawrence Kasdan. And I guess that's the way it's going to be, which is a shame because, as you said, on many occasions, it would be nice to have different people bring a different take and a different feel to things. And- can I, can I, I was going to make a controversial um, you know, uh, suggestion of who should be doing the last of the episode movies. And that's George Lucas. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Go full circle. And I can guarantee you this will not be the last of the episode movies. <laughs> if, there's, if there's billions of dollars out there, Phil, they're going to keep knocking these out, aren't they? It would be episode Yeah, 10, well, I mean, you can, you, can see, you can see it's a money-making machine because obviously they're building the two Star Wars uh, theme parks um, at, at the Disney World in, in Orlando and, and California. Um, they're, they're pouring billions into developing those. Um they're making, like you say, they're making money. You know, I, I hate the idea of the Han Solo movie. I hate the idea of a Ben Kenobi movie. I really don't like the idea of a Yoda movie. Um, I'd, I've lost kind of interest in the episode movies at the minute. I'm going to go and see them. I'll spend my money on them. They'll make billions. But that's all it's going to be. It's just going to be a, 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 for for the money. And they're it's weird that, it, that we started talking about the new iPhone and our utter indifference to that, but acknowledging that they'll make a fortune. And we're basically ending the <laughs> podcast talking about something we've also lost interest in, but acknowledging yeah. it will still make a fortune. Welcome to popular culture, I, I, everyone. D- don't get me wrong. I, I will I will be at the midnight screenings of these films. Don't get me wrong. At that, that, But I, I feel like I have to do that because I've got a history with it and, and I've done yeah. it in the past. And it's almost like Stock, he... Stockholm syndrome, isn't it? Yes, yeah, that's what it is. I think that's what's um, coming down. Having said that, I started. I've started watching Rebels season three. I've only watched two episodes so far, but I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, it's. I think it's a great series. I think that's the kind of thing they should have been doing from the start. Completely new set of characters, uh, doing their own thing in the Star Wars universe, and occasionally touching on you know, other aspects of the Star Wars universe. But you know, keeping it um, within that world, but still relatively separate. And and they're fun, entertaining stories with interesting characters. And they've expanded the universe in terms of you know. There's a whole thing now with the Bogan and the all stuff. That, if you know a lot about Star Wars and the, and the original writing of the original film, they're bringing in aspects that George Lucas was playing with in his original screenplays, but they're actually used in the finished film. So, um, yeah, there's still some fun to be had there. But I, I've I got think to say, you know you mentioned Rebels here. I think that there is. Uh, I think it was season two. Um, there was an episode about the Jedi Temple. Yep. Uh, and I have a sneaky suspicion that that is going to be the last Jedi. A, a, a lot of that uh, from that episode, I think, where you will see that uh, being used in the Last Jedi. Well, it's we'll see. But uh, anyway, I still think I think it's uh, that's the kind of fun thing they could be doing. Uh, and I've got to say, like you, I've, I've got absolutely no interest in a Han Solo movie. I just couldn't imagine anything worse. It'll just ruin the character any more than they, George already has with his not having Han shoot first scene, um, or or that Harrison Ford did himself in Return of the Jedi. Uh, but um, yeah, I just I, I still have I still have hope that the Last Jedi could be good because I do think Ryan Johnson's a talented filmmaker and writer and done and done some interesting work so far. The thing that's but, worrying uh, me, the thing that's worrying me about that though is is how much praise he's getting from Lucasfilm. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's watch. the worrying thing. Uh, right, but, so uh, Mr. Botwright, you looking forward to these? No, and I was just thinking that's a bloody long three and a half minutes to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's exciting stuff. <laughs> I, 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 Hod, I, are you still here? Yeah. <laughs> you just, just walking off. Speak about twenty minutes ago. When you last? When did you last shut up? <laughs> <laughs> well said, Mark. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Have you got anything to add to this, Mark? 
Uh, the Star Wars, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, just getting increasingly disenfranchised with the whole thing. I'm, I'm, I just don't bother reading about it anymore. I'll watch them when they come along. Whether I go to the cinema or not, I don't really know. But uh, yeah, it's still just dragging on now, like life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that's that's uh, on that depressing note. We need to end the podcast for this week. Thanks, Mark. We're all in tears now. <laughs> uh, my thanks to Steve Brothers. So, hail Satan, and have a lovely afternoon. Mark Hodgkinson. Anybody tell me what this is? Ed Sally. The suit is the modern gentleman's armour. And Mark Borrain. And yet some still doubt this is the work of the Antichrist. <laughs> is, that, is, is that a line from the film, or, or are you talking about the podcast? Uh, a little from column A, a little from... <laughs> Uh, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmarkavforums.com for latest reviews, news and videos, and of course, leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, but only if you enjoyed the show. I'm Phil Hinton, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Music.